0: Hello, everyone. My name is Nanaba Duncan. I am the host of Fresh Air on CBC Radio 1. It airs every Saturday and Sunday from 6 to 9 a.m. on 99.1 here in the city. It goes all over Ontario. So I'm really glad to be here with Diaspora Dialogues. Uh, this is a great project. What they did was they asked residents of Toronto to write pieces uh, about the city, different buildings, uh, different settings, and then they presented these uh, pieces to six uh, different writers and they chose. Different pieces, and then uh, made some art around it. So, what you're going to hear today is some of the art is the art that they made, uh, and I'm going to introduce our writers now and then they will each read and after they read we'll have a discussion. So Jules Lewis is the author of the novel Waiting for Ricky Tantrum and the play Tommaso's Party which got a door award for outstanding new independent production in 2012. His writing has appeared in the Global Mail, the National Post, Canadian Notes and Queries, the Brooklyn Rail, the Canadian Encyclopedia and other publications. He's also written for radio and children's television and he's a fellow of the Edward Foundation. Resikra is a queer femme writer, multimedia artist, editor, musician, performer, psychom advocate, and data bat. We're going to talk about what that means soon. Oh. Um, her debut collection, Cephalog- oh, cephal- Cephalopography. yes, C- Cephalopography, is going to be published by Wall and Wynn in spring 2020. If You Forget the Whipped Cream, You're No Good as a Woman is her second chapbook. Thank you both for coming. So uh, we'll start with you, Risikwa. Would you like to start?
1: Sure. Uh, So I'll be starting with uh, Sheila's poem from which I drew inspiration. And then I will transition into my interpretation of that piece. Scarborough Bluffs. Limestone cliffs. Walls insulated with layers of timeless geological intrigue towering above the lake shore, where rocks of different shapes, hues, and sizes are heaped together or lie loosely scattered on the sand. Rocks that have rolled down when they were dislodged, then eased out from their beds in the earth by rain and melting snow. Before settling in the sand on Lake Ontario's Scarborough shoreline, where they are bathed by waves that ebb and flow rhythmically, where ducks quack with delight while they swim for fun or search for food, where birds squeak with excitement as they perform gymnastics in the air to the delight of the people on the ground. And I, A frequent visitor here, when alerted by electronic or nature's clock that it is time to leave this mesmerizing place, am soothed by the knowledge that I will soon be back in Bluffers Park at the Scarborough Bluffs. My piece is called With Excitement, With Delight. And it opens with an epigraph that I'm not going to identify for you, but if anyone knows the source of it, please come and tell me afterwards because that would make me really happy. With excitement, with delight, it's like being kissed by a lusty mermaid. White. Pierce. 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 Peep, peep. Soaks, thinking, thinking,
0: bite. Bite, 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 bite. Sense, sense. Stress, stress. Shape, shape. Thank you. And now Jules.
2: So here is Vivian Lee's poem on a bench by Victoria College. Crowded Volvo realms rumble when dandelion tassels cling onto baked sweet leaves, alarmed of simmering on winding sidewalks. I lean against a wooden frame, pen open and wondering as sparrows tilt and bob across thin borders hoping to befriend the shadows of their friends. Before sunset, soft-cheeked bird, and I seize the peppered silences, even as we walk in circles, and pause and look at each other again, wings longing to part." So that's the poem. And um, here's my response. It's a story, a short story. It's called The Walker. I've been coming to this campus almost every day for 15 years. I've seen thousands of students graduate. I've watched old professors get older and older until they disappear. I come in all seasons, but summer is my favorite. (laughs) The campus is a corpse in the summer. There's a gentle cemetery emptiness that's like nothing else in the world. I go to the libraries and work on my novel, which I've been writing in private for a long, long time. At lunch, I walk the grounds. I enjoy watching students eat in the afternoon. It makes me feel less alone. Clusters of them freshly emerge from deep study to satisfy their fierce appetites before scurrying back into their hovels. Also, I like to observe chewing style, chomping strength. The frequency of each swallow. I've noticed in the last 15 years that the way people eat lunch has changed. They finish their meals quicker, take fewer bites. Overall, less enjoyment is expressed. Yesterday was different. I sat down next to somebody on a bench across from Victoria College and he seemed to be relishing his food, savoring each bite with a plastic fork out of a styrofoam container. I asked him what he was eating, and he just glanced up at me and then went back to his lunch. The question might have thrown him off. Also, maybe he thought I wasn't worth talking to, the type of guy who hadn't done much with his life other than lurk around this campus writing a novel in secret for the last 15 years. So to put him at ease, I lied that I was a PhD student in the English department studying 20th century German literature. You know, I said, the tumultuous 20th century century. From the way he didn't even look up from his styrofoam container, I figured he wasn't too familiar with the subject. You a student here? I said, nothing. He was probably just being modest. What do you study? No answer. Engineering, I thought. Maybe medicine. Taking summer courses to keep a few steps ahead of his peers. He was probably a member of Victoria College, given that he had decided to eat lunch across from its headquarters, the ornate Gothic building looming over our bench. I'd never been inside the place, although I'd often imagined what it was like. Dining halls lined with long wooden tables, black gowns, silver chalices, hushed murmurs of Latin echoing through the torch-lit, arched hallways. This guy probably ate breakfast there today, I thought. Some medieval feast, pheasant and pork grains and roasted potatoes and mulled wine. I imagined his stomach still basking in the aftermath of all that flavor and fullness. I slid a bit closer to him on the bench, trying to peek inside a styrofoam container. Where'd you get that food? No answer. Sammy's, Varsi Cafe, walk on wheels, still nothing. I know every place to eat around here, I said. I've been coming to this campus for 15 years. There's not one place I haven't. I've been walking for 15 years, he said. What, I said? No answer. I was sure he was mocking me. Did you just say, I've been walking for 15 years, I said. He just kept reading. He'd probably seen me hiding inside the libraries. Maybe he even knew about the secret novel I'd been working on. I've never been a student, but I just assume most people around here think I am. I'm still young enough to be in school. I always carry a book bag and generally have a sort of searching, frazzled, philosophical look in my eye. But maybe this guy was on to me. What kind of noodles are those anyways, I said. He finished his chewing chewing cycle, swallowed. This is the first time I have sat down in 15 years, he said. I noticed he didn't have any shoes on only a crimson sock on his right foot. His other foot was bare. I also spotted a wooden cane hanging on the back of the bench. This whole time I'd assumed he was in his early 20s, a third, maybe fourth year student, but now with that wooden cane hanging there, I wasn't so sure. I looked closer at him, trying to discern his age, but there was something blurry about his face. I couldn't pin down any of his features. His gaze followed his plastic fork as it captured noodles from the styrofoam container and brought them to his mouth. Then his eyes somehow seemed to turn inwards, observing the noodles as he chewed them, swallowed, and they made their way down his esophagus and into his stomach. He could have been as old as 80. Finally, I said, what do you mean this is the first time you've sat down in 15 years? For 15 years, I've been walking towards a cliff, he said. A cliff? He nodded. This is your first break in 15 years? He nodded. I looked down at his feet again and realized what I thought was a crimson sock was actually dried blood. Your foot, what happened? There's blood all over. A Volvo ran over my toe, he said. A Volvo, I said? He nodded. When did this happen? This morning, where? There, he said without pointing anywhere. Where's there, I said. No answer. He had stopped eating and was now just staring into the last of his noodles. Listen, I said. I'm going to call an ambulance. You can't let your foot just, it happened, he said. What happened? My toe, he said. I know, I said, your toe. A Volvo ran over. It was a Volvo, he said. A Volvo, yes. It was a Volvo that, on my way, he said. Your way? He nodded. Which way? There, he said, still with no indication of where there was. OK, I'm calling an ambulance, I said. Don't call an ambulance, he said. No, you got to get that foot checked out. You can't don't, he said. His voice, like his eating style, was, was anchored in such quiet authority, I felt unable to disobey him. Your foot will get infected, I said. It will rot and fall off. you got to go to the hospital. No answer. I stared at his blood-stained foot, which was resting on a patch of singed, sugary blades of grass. What a horrible fate it is to be planted, I thought. These poor blades of grass, crisp and unswaying in their helplessness. You can't go anywhere once you've been planted, I thought. Grass grows, but never goes anywhere. Grass is planted, grows, never goes, and knows. Nowhere is the only place where everybody goes. When I, looked up at the man, when I looked up, the man had risen from the bench. Hey, where are you going? No answer. He closed his styrofoam container and was holding it with one hand. You can't go anywhere with your foot like that, I said. He fetched his cane. Hey, where are you going? Please. Just stay here a second and I'll don't call an ambulance, he said. I wanted to follow him, but my legs stayed planted. I just sat there, helpless, on the bench next to Victoria College. The summer air was still as a gravestone. I watched the man limp away into the dying moments of the late morning, the thirsty, sun grass flattening under the soles of his bare feet.
0: Thank you, Jules. Thank you. Wow. I feel like there's so much to get into for both of you. Um, So I'll start with you, Rissi Crab. Sure. What was it about the original material that struck you first?
1: I think one of the things that definitely stood out to me, um, the way that she talked about the geological composition and formation of the landscape that in combination with the lake, it made me think about something that was moving at the same time very quickly and in this sharp, exhilarating fashion, but at the same time very enduring and almost timeless in a way. And uh, I, I was really impressed by that. And I also, I really liked the way that so much of it took place in the sky or above the ground in some way. And so I wanted to take it into the lake as Mm. a complement. I was considering uh, Asapensiriformis in particular, um, which is a very old order of fish, more or less, and uh, the sturgeon and paddlefish that are found in the lake. And they have these particular morphological features that I feel are echoed in interesting ways in the shape of the bluffs and kind of the coastline. So I was really, uh, really intrigued by kind of pairing the fish in my poem with the birds in her piece. Mm-hmm. and uh, It's interesting yeah.
0: because you mention um, endurance and something that moves quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if that's how The Mermaid came about for you.
1: It did. Yeah. It did. And also... Um, I guess this uh, this sense of something that is intensely valued but not particularly well-known or well-understood, mm-hmm. um, as well as kind of a sideline reference to sturgeon caviar. It's so interesting because w-
0: what I'd love to know is how all of those thoughts, because it sounds like you went... You kind of went deep, like you're mentioning fish fish that I don't, like I haven't heard of before. And maybe I'm supposed to have, but I haven't. And so you're thinking about these fish, you're thinking about what's inside the lake. How does that, how does that turn into what you made?
1: So a lot of what um, this piece takes on a lot of different shapes um, on the page. It's intensely visual and has some uh, visual art components as well, which are then infused with poetry in sort of a a coding poetry technique that I use fairly heavily. I tend to to uh, practice that in a lot of different uh, different experiments and different explorations. But, a coding technique. Yes. Yeah, so is it? what I'll do is, um, generally speaking, I like to either take photos or create uh, watercolor and ink paintings and then open the digital versions in a program that allows me to engage with the hex code of the image. So then, whichever poem this piece is corresponding to, I'll take pieces of that poetry and inject them into the code, and this progressively shifts and glitches and breaks the image in ways that I find really exciting. There are a lot of elements of glitch art that are completely outside of your control, but I feel like playing with the code in this way and keeping it really rooted in language allows me to be very theoretical, very intentional, while at the same time, um, what am I trying to say? Leaving elements of the final product out of my hands, so to speak.
0: So there's yeah. some spontaneity in there. Absolutely. So, how do you,
1: how, so does the coding that we, mm-hmm.
0: the, so what we heard, is mm-hmm. that related to the coding that yes. was so looking at? Yes, so to me,
1: that is when the viewer, or rather uh, the people who are, are witnessing my performances, I'm gonna put this down because I'm splashing. Um, <laughs> when people are witnessing my performances, it's very rare that they will have a copy of the piece with them. And so my approach to different sonic considerations has always been about trying to match the experience of what's on the page in a different translation. So sometimes I will use different languages or even typographical things. You know, how do you, how do you, Utter and underline. How do you utter Mm -hmm. italics? You know, so Mm -hmm. I I really enjoy having that modularity. And there's also, especially as you move between different venues, that element of 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 uncontrol. Even as I was performing this, the uh, the cord of the microphone touched the unit and changed my settings, and I was like, well, I gotta go with that now. Like this is what's happening, you know. And it it adds to that element of. um, chaos within a discrete system that really appeals to me about poetry and life.
0: I noticed that there were words within the original poem that you actually pulled out. Yeah, the so majority
1: of the words the, the majority are of actually okay. from Sheila's original poem. Yeah. So
0: I got towering and scattered mm-hmm. waves, delight and excitement, which I think you started yeah. off with, mm-hmm. and intrigue, but then you introduced some of your own words like mermaid yeah. and all of these other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the How did you decide which words you wanted to say more? I felt like we heard the word bite more mm. more often.
1: Yes, so there are... Is that because of the 12 coding? 12 words that are looped, yes. And they come up, um, they were the ones that I wanted to inject in. I wanted to, uh, in the code, use some of my own work as well as some of Sheila's work so that it could be a little bit more of a fusion in the image. Um, and so when I was thinking about these fish and I was thinking about um, Oh, gosh, what is it? It's acepans So I was breaking it down and kind of playing with, like, cognitive lexical values, like this word, if I look at it and break it down into Latin or break it down into Greek or, or Arabic, and where does that lead me? What are words that... I also was um, really interested in trying to keep them vaguely, like, topographical or geological, like a bite is something that would occur in the ocean, a peak for a mountain, stuff like that. Um... But at the same time, trying to make sure that they, uh, at least in terms of their their vowel sounds, didn't depart too strongly from Mm -hmm. Sheila's work.
0: Thank you. That's super fascinating. You know, your character was also really fascinating, Jules. Um, uh, I I read it on my own, but it was really interesting to see you perform it and hear people laugh at certain parts, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Did you expect laughter? And did the laughter come at the times that you thought that they might?
2: Um, well, yeah, I hope for laughter. Excellent. Um, uh, there actually, you know, there wasn't as much laughter as <laughs> I had expected, <laughs> to be perfectly candid. Um, OK. But, um,
0: but he was a really funny character, um, your writer. Well, your... yeah.
2: And I thought it was kind of a funny situation. Totally. Um, I, mean, to, I mean, I mean, I, I. When I thought about it, it seems a bit funny. Mm-hmm.
0: How did he come to you?
2: Uh, which one, the the, the, wa- the walker or the narrator? The
0: the the one who was asking all the questions. The One who's
2: asking all the questions. Um, uh, well, you know, I don't really know where he came from. I mean, he's not like. I have you know, spent a lot of time in those libraries myself, you know, writing, but he's, uh, so it was a, you know, a familiar, um, a familiar character to think about. Um, but he emerged out of the bench that was in the poem, really, uh, and I was thinking about uh, The Zoo Story uh, by Edward Albee. It's a it's a play which all takes place on a bench, and so, and it's uh, about some guy who kind of gets harassed by another guy on the bench until, you know, ends in murder after about 15, 10 minutes. And that's the end of the play. You yeah, know, it's a great play. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was kind of thinking about that, like one person was very reserved and another person a bit more aggressive and, and sort of the, the, uh, the fusion between the two of them.
0: Your character has such, uh, he has such an imagination. It's like he makes things, he makes things up. Completely, um, I I'm interested in how he formed for you because he feels really well formed in the piece.
2: How he formed? Yeah,
0: for you. Did like you? The, how much did you think beforehand about this man who uh, thinks? Yeah, no, this I, way? I
2: thought I thought nothing beforehand. Okay, I mean, it's just you. I tried to um, just you know figure out uh, what goes next, and then. Hopefully, it fits with what went before. <laughs>
0: Are there any mysteries within the piece that you have in your mind that that is not explicit within it?
2: Um, yeah, I mean the whole. I mean, I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Like, whether, you know, I mean, there was this guy an apparition?
0: That was what I thought. Yeah. That's what I That's thought. That's what you
2: thought the whole time. Is that what, I mean... Did yeah.
0: anybody else think that? That he maybe didn't exist, this other person?
2: Okay. Well, he doesn't exist. I mean, neither of them exists. so it's like... <laughs> 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 okay.
0: Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what no, we mean. <laughs> yeah, but
2: it's sort of, you know, it's like fiction. hmm like, <laughs> Like nothing, nothing. Yes, this is fiction. Yeah, so, but every We're discussing every fictional character is a is a, is in a way an apparition. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he could have been an apparition. There's like the parallel of 15 years of like hiding, sort of, and and then walking towards a cliff, or like working on a novel that's going nowhere, and this guy walking towards a the cliff. There's sort of similar activities, maybe. Um, I don't know. So yeah, the I. I um, where are we? Well, I'll just ask another question because
0: I don't know where I am either. Um, Is there something of you in either one of them?
2: I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I I think it's unavoidable that when you write something, there's going to be residue Mm -hmm. of some element of your imagination or experience. So... Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Having written in... You said you spent time in a lot of those uh, libraries or one yeah. specific library?
2: Well, you know, all of them. Okay. Uh, wait, all of them? <laughs> well, like all the ones that I could get into. Okay. You know.
0: <laughs> as a writer or just as a person? I'm a reader. Uh, okay. You
2: know, writer.
0: <laughs> so what is it that stri- Not as a student. Not They're as a student. The
2: re- only... Yeah. I was... Yeah. I was not... I, that's, it, that's another... Um, uh, that's another uh, similarity I hold with that character, not having gone to U- University of Toronto. And you went to Vic? I didn't go to Vic. Okay. I didn't go to. No, I didn't go to the school. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, what is it about those libraries that strikes you?
2: Oh, um, well, anybody can access them, which most a lot of people don't know about, and they're. Uh, Extremely quiet. There's amazing collections of books there, and um, I don't know. I I really love those libraries.
0: Having been I th- in them. Sorry, go yeah. ahead.
2: No, what, no. What were you going to say?
0: Uh, Having been in them, is there something you think that uh, people just wouldn't know otherwise
2: about them? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's all sorts of. Um, I mean. You have a sense of, uh, as I mentioned, the story uh, of of people aging in those libraries. You know, like uh, like like people like who started out and they seemed to be they had sort of all this fire in their eyes, and then like then you realize <laughs> you realize they're still there, and they don't have this, they're a bit sort of waning. Oh. And so no, but it's a, it's a, no, I, yeah. no, but anybody, <laughs> no, no, no I'm reacting because I, it's passing? true. I mean,
0: that's what happens <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Um, yeah. But you're just sort of, you're witnessing so the reality witnessing
2: of it. Witnessing time, yeah, in library time. It's a specific time, yeah, <laughs> yeah. specific yeah. sort of time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you spend time in libraries? Not as much as I'd like to. Do I spend sp- a lot of time in my personal library. <laughs> By which I mean mm-hmm. I don't leave my apartment very right. much.
0: <laughs> when it comes to place, though, for him, it's libraries. Is there somewhere in in this city that you frequent more often than not? Besides your apartment.
1: Oh, dear. That was my answer. Okay. okay, It's okay I, if your apartment I, is I the would one. say uh, Ripley's Aquarium of Toronto is definitely a place really? that I spend a lot of time. And you can see uh, both of these species that I was referencing in, uh, in, in this poem in their um, Great Lakes exhibit, which is basically like, the second thing that you get into when you enter um what
0: is it about ripley's that you like so much
1: i'm very drawn to the ocean in general um tend to have a very uh biological and zoological focus in my work and also just in terms of what excites me as 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 a person and uh it's been so difficult to even get to aquaria in canada like we had one and now we have two, and mm. that's really nice. <laughs> Where's the other it's, one uh, in BC. Oh, in yeah. Canada, right? I hope yeah. Canada, yeah, yeah. So, um, have you been to the other one? I haven't. It's on my list, okay. though. I'd like to go to, to many, many more. But it's 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 a very uh, well curated space with a lot of. Um, there are a lot of places that you can sit and really watch the animals and really kind of consider what they mean to you right. <laughs> or, I think or to themselves. F-
0: I think my favorite spot there is a place where you can sit and watch where they actually have the diver in there. Oh, I love with that. The, yeah, um, I think, is it a shark? No, it's not a shark. There
1: are, What's there that? are bonnethead sharks Right. and, and there's, there's one rays in there as well.
0: Yeah. Hmm. What's your favorite exhibit in the place? Is it?
1: I love the... Uh, well, I'm, I'm very... Uh, well, my uh, debut collection that's coming out next spring is called Cephalopography, and I'm super into cephalopods. They are my favorites. So the, uh, the GPO... In case someone doesn't
0: know what that yes. is, what Yes, is so
1: that? The, the giant Pacific octopus. Uh, cephalopods are... Um, the, the extant versions are basically octopus, squid, and cuttlefish. And I, they are my imaginary best friends in the sense that they are very real. But the friendship is wholly imagined on my end. It's a fiction, right? Yes. It's, it's an apparition. Mm, yes. But uh, so they've had various uh, cuttlefish. Right now they have the flamboyant cuttlefish, which is a very unique animal because they walk on the ocean floor as opposed to swimming. And they have incredible colors, black, white, yellow, purple, anything, anything. That sounds amazing. Yeah.
0: This is going to sound like a weird question, but have you ever dressed up
1: as a mermaid? I, well, in my head, I have considered myself to feel like a mermaid, but it's generally in everyday clothing. I struggle with how to represent the tail. Like, I love that mermaid cut on a gown or a dress or a skirt. Like, I think that's super pretty, but it makes me feel very tied to the ground Mm. in the sense of the way it constricts. I don't feel like I'm in the water at all when I wear it.
0: Would you ever dress up as a as a cephalopod?
1: Oh, heck yeah. Okay. I would dress up as many things. Mm-hmm. I love dressing up. I but wonder. certainly a cephalopod. There are so many ways to interpret them. <laughs> I can't imagine this book is where I'm going to stop. <laughs> wow, you're both very interesting. Does anybody else have any questions? Why 15?
0: Pardon? In his book, it's 15.
2: Oh, why 15 oh. years? Story. F- yes. <laughs> um, you know, I don't really know. It was just the... F- seems like an appropriate eight. it's i mean it seems like uh, it's like a, it's quite a long stretch of time but it's also not like 20 years you know? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> 20 years is a bit too fantastic yeah, that, that you got to keep it realistic it's like a, a little much yeah it's yeah, like a bit over, overdone <laughs>
1: Do either of you have any questions for each other in terms of what you made? My question was was the play question actually? So yeah. I've asked it. But okay.
2: Um, uh, wh- uh, do you do you often use voice modulation?
1: Yeah, I I use it in uh, like a lot in my poetry, but also in in music, which is where the uh, the databat comes into play because my band is called the databats, the and Database, I am a so. databat. Okay. What's a bat? Yeah, database? that was
2: a good question. This that is a
1: question, question with so many answers. <laughs> Let me What's see. the first big one? Mm-hmm. The first big one, we're a music slash art collective that's also um, a bit of a computer virus that has nested its way into uh, the two of us so far, but... I suppose, as with any virus, it's always looking for recruits. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we uh, we're, we're assigned to uh, Slice Records, which used to be uh, based out of Melbourne. It's still based out of Melbourne, but we have a Toronto branch now, which is very convenient because Melbourne mm. is quite far. Okay. Melbourne yeah. Is quite far. yeah, it's uh, an experimental electronic music, but. Uh, we also do a lot of video and uh, performance. Uh, sometimes different performance art pieces with props and costumes. Sometimes more of a more of a concert kind mm. of experience. But yeah, there's a lot of room for play. Mm. Okay. Now, before I let you go, uh, you you
0: I I already read that you're a multimedia artist, editor, musician, performer. Did you consider doing this in another way, or was it this that came first?
1: I think depending. If I knew that we had different technical requirements, I probably would have pushed a lot harder into visual elements and created some video that would probably be accompanying. And then I think the sound would have been considerably altered because we would be communicating a lot of those things visually and I'd I'd need to find a different way to make them pair together and really express. Um, That's the exciting thing about working with different media, you know, each, each, each one asks different things of you and gives different things back. It's, it's, it's really nice to be able to blend them. I might even end up returning to this piece at some point and making a video just because it's really exciting me.
0: Well, I think we'd all love to see what happens with both pieces. Thank, Thank you, you both. Thank you. secret see jewels.